This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Of Americans consider themselves very liberal, and probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when well, we talk about What does that mean to you? Could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple of times, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that um, I, this is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to re totally reimagine and re re redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, sorry, I, it's, it's hard to explain in a 15-second soundbite. Well, yeah, look, your time. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 22 of The Middle Unplugged, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill and less extreme and generally less angry conversation. Look, I've told you this before. I am on Team Trump. I think he wins. I mean, I don't want him to win, and I think he's a disgrace and a horrible president and all that other kind of stuff. But as I observe the Republican race for president, I think the perverse effect of his legal problems is that it kind of rallies and solidifies his base. I think that his core is strong and loyal. I think there is this notion that while they like other candidates, he's their guy. I just don't see a scenario where in a primary, especially a busy one, he doesn't prevail. But as I sat down to try to diagram the race, to try to act in my role as pundit and understand the support of other candidates and how the race might play out, I come to the same conclusion that everyone else does, that keep an eye on this guy, Ron DeSantis, or Ron DeSanctimonious, as Trump calls him. By the way, you know, he was asked, <laughs> Trump was asked the other day why he calls him this, because he's so ungrateful. I don't think that's what the word means, but that's for another conversation. But if you did one of those kind of, what are they called, word cloud things, if you did one of those with Ron DeSantis, no word would pop more than woke. And I'm a believer in polling and in testing messages as a politician. I believe that just as same way if you're making a consumer product and you want to know what people want, you would do research. Politicians do that as well. And I... I come to this, when I was in Congress, I didn't really have much polling going on. Every once in a while, I would maybe, if, you know, I would do some polling. Uh, maybe of all my campaigns, maybe I had one or two that actually did some polling. But when I ran for mayor in 2005, I was introduced to this world. My friend Tom Friedman put together a team for my campaign for mayor. It was a bit of a long shot. Well, I was definitely a long shot. It was last in the field. And introduced me to a guy named Jim Margolis, who did the media for the campaign, and a fellow named Joel Benenson, who had worked for Mario Cuomo and had after that worked as, well, I think he worked in the Daily News first, then worked for Mario Cuomo. Then he became, he became a pollster and a famous one. Jim Margolis and Joel Benenson, the two of them, were the brain trust behind 
Barack Obama's successful run for president in 2008. And they sat down to try to figure out my path to become mayor. I was running as this outer borough, kind of more moderate candidate. And we did some polling and we found some interesting things. We found my basic core campaign issues were I proposed a tax cut for the middle class and those struggling to make it, a billionaire tax. I was going to run against Mike Bloomberg if I won the primary. And then this idea of of taking all of the government programs that each agency does and telling the the commissioners of those agencies, I want you to order your responsibilities, order your programs from the most successful to least successful. And then I want you to tell me why we should keep the five least successful programs. So anyway, so we told those things and individually, they were pretty popular, but nothing earth shattering. But we found that when we asked respondents, when we asked people in polls, when we read them all three together, the sum was greater than the parts, that it popped a lot and it showed that it was by far the most, it was a very successful formulation. So there on after, we didn't have a lot of money for advertising. We only did at the very end, but we packaged those three things together. It's not really clear why. I don't really remember all the details of the poll except to say that people kind of saw it as more substantive. They saw it as more balanced, the idea of some cuts and some tax cuts. It seemed to have more weight. So I bring up all of this stuff as a way of telling, also we... (laughs) There's another element of studying things, which is focus groups, where you just take people from various backgrounds and let them talk about it and you listen to them talk. That's kind of what we do on radio, but focus groups can be very funny. When I focus grouped on, I had focus groups about the idea of me coming back to running for office in 2013, the focus groups got quite raucous. But anyway, I assume when I hear a candidate like Ron DeSantis, who got a real, I mean, he's a smart guy, he's got a real campaign organization. When I hear them use that word, I assume that there's a great deal of research showing them that it works because he says it like all the time. Florida is where woke comes to die. And for my money, for my view, it's got to work on kind of three levels. One, people have to know what it means. Then they have to really care about the issues that you're using to describe it. And then they have to kind of agree with you on where you come down on that issue. And I'm going to dubious on all three counts, and now there's some information out there, some data that shows that I might be right. First, there's this issue of the meaning. What does it even mean when it's used as a pejorative? I was surprised to learn, look, that this term goes all the way back to the early 1900s in the black community. It started to take on a lot more resonance after the Black Lives Matter movement began in 2014 and had had a revival. And it's now even in the dictionary as an adjective, a slang adjective, and I'll read you exactly what like the most staid interpretation is, aware of and actively attentive to important societal facts and issues, parentheses, especially issues of racial and social justice. It's interesting, in a lawsuit, the state of Florida used basically that same language. When they, when they told a court something was woke, they were asked to define it. They came up with something very similar. But USA Today and Ipsos recently did a poll where they tried to figure out what Americans thought when they heard the word. And here are the two choices that they offer them. They said one is to be informed, educated on, and aware of social injustices. And the second choice was to be overly politically correct and police others' words. And I tell you, the results don't show that it's that much of a dirty word. 56-39. Basically, 56 said it's to be kind of sensitive. 39 is to be too politically correct. I mean, it's not you know, it's, I mean, it's 39 is not nothing, but it's a fairly popular idea. But wait, here's, <laughs> to make it even more complicated to sort out, the poll 
also showed the power of changing the way you ask a question, how you can get different outcomes. They asked the respondents if they would describe being described as woke, whether they interpret it as an insult. 40% said they did see it as an insult. 32% said they saw it as a compliment. And 26% said they didn't know in that context. Remember, you know, it's important to remember that woke also sounds a lot like the word for not being asleep. So, so, but again, it's very divided, you know, and if you look, even if you just look at Republicans, which I think is an important thing here, 56% have a negative impression of the word woke. That's something, but it's not a crushing win even for that. It's not like when it used to be when you would describe someone as a, as a liberal or a Massachusetts liberal. I mean, you know, basically all Republicans rallied to that. But besides the problem of the meaning of the word and it not having a clear meaning is whether or not the whole notion of these culture wars that Ron DeSantis is trying to make himself the avatar of, whether they really are winners to voters. I mean, are voters really fired up by issues of trans people playing sports or reading or trans people dressed up reading to kids? or which book should be banned by schools. I mean, the evidence is really not great that these are very important issues to voters. I mean, the last real test of this we had of this proposition was in the midterm elections of 2022. And, you know, on one hand, DeSantis kicked ass in Florida with it. I think he won by 19 points in a purple state. So it clearly worked for him there. But did it seem to work elsewhere? All right. There was some mention of woke prosecutors every once in a while. Yes, crime, you know, but, you know, in crime here in New York, maybe woke became a little bit of a word, but it didn't seem to have the resonance that these are the issues that people were primarily focused on, so much so that even Republicans towards the end of the campaign were going away from those things, trying to talk desperately about things like inflation and and crime and things like that. And then, man, there was a little bit of woke in there, but it was hardly... It was hardly social issues that seemed to be the ones that moved them the most. But even if you take a look at those social issues, I could be wrong here, but I think if woke starts to get framed as like intolerant or anti-teacher or in favor of book bans, I think that frankly it may wind up cutting against with the type of people that generally big national elections are fought over. Educated suburban people. You know, are they really you know, never mind, they probably don't know what woke means, but never mind, they don't really probably care about those issues all that much. But when they come down to it, are they book banners? Are they people that are upset about people wearing feather boas and reading books to kids? I don't think so. But if the only target of the wanton use of woke is that subset of the Republican Party that votes in primaries in places like Iowa, then being the most anti-woke candidate, maybe you can win. And if he is, becomes the nominee of the party and then has to run and try to appeal to those voters in the middle, I think you might see Ron DeSantis put his use of woke back to sleep. And there's also kind of a generational thing here as well. And I think this young woman summarizes it pretty well. 
we've been hearing words like woke and like critical race theory for years now. I could not tell you what they mean. I literally could not tell you. Like when woke, you mean, you know, practicing basic empathy, like uh, valuing people who are part of your community. Critical race theory, you mean American history. Like it's so confusing. So it's incredibly frustrating to constantly hear all these buzzwords and meaningless things being thrown at us when they have no basis and they don't even seek to understand why we're here. And I think the bottom line is that here at New College, we do not fear people being educated. We do not fear people learning about history. And above all, we do not fear any books. <laughs> and I think that speaks for itself, honestly. Yeah. I think she should have a podcast. And we'll be right back with Listener Mail. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. So welcome back to The Middle Unplugged. Each week on The Middle Unplugged, we like to dip into the mailbag at wabc.gmail.com. Sooner or later, I've got to learn my email address. At Rep Wiener on Twitter and Anthony D. Wiener on Facebook. And this week, we got no mail. Yep, we got no mail. So what I decided to add a new element where I answer other people's rhetorical questions. And this week, we got one from the former president. I'm not a fan of LeBron James. I don't like LeBron. But I'd say, hey, LeBron. You ever think of becoming a woman? Because you're going to be on my team. We're going to have, we're going to go undefeated for the next five years, LeBron. I'm not a fan, but you know, I would ask him that question. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in here for you, LeBron. <laughs> All right. I admit it. I was just looking for a reason to play that cut because I have no idea. This is, that was from him speaking at Iowa last week. And you kind of get the feeling you know, I talked earlier about how politicians do focus groups and polling and get advice on how to package issues. And clearly Ron DeSantis had done that, whether he's right or wrong about woke is another question. But I think to some degree that Donald Trump uses his campaign speeches and the reaction he gets from his live audiences to try out different issues. But this one, I really don't understand what he is asking. First of all, to be on my team, you be a woman and be on my team. What is he? I mean, okay, let me try to perhaps, I asked Jordan about this and Jordan thought that the former president was saying be on his woman's basketball team if he would be a woman and they'd never lose because LeBron James would be a really good basketball player. Okay, let me just say this about that. Could be. I am not 100% sure, right? I mean, th there's some great, there's some great, WNBA players, some great women athletes, they'd probably come up with ways to try to deny him the ball or whatnot. Uh, but even if he is good, what is Donald Trump? Is he saying he's going to have a WNBA team? I mean, I get it. I mean, he's talking, he's making some point about about the influence of, of trans rights as a issue in America and how he is afraid of that and how his audience is afraid of that. But there were a handful of things that President Trump said in that in that speech that are good reminders that are good reminders of why he he's not a great candidate like he says stuff that like he he also mentioned in that speech 
He says, remember that when the oil and gas companies almost went out of business because gas prices were so low and I had to call up the Saudis and tell them to raise the price. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he said that. But in answer to you, Donald Trump, no, on behalf of LeBron James, no, he's not prepared to become a woman to play on whatever team you think you have uh, going on there. And hopefully next week, we will have some actual mail from some actual, even though this does give me an idea, this, there are a lot of politicians who do ask stupid hypothetical questions and stupid rhetorical questions. So I might find some entertaining content there. Don't you think? He asks rhetorically. I'd love for you to participate in the show by sending in some feedback. There are some podcast applications that let you rate the podcast, to share it, and to also offer comments. We look for questions there too. Also, if you like what you're hearing, please do share this podcast. It's the way that we attract more listeners. A lot of people have been tuning in, and that's really gratifying. Also, we have a live radio show that we do every Saturday at 2 o'clock called The Middle. You can stream it on WABCradio.com. You can also get it on old-fashioned terrestrial radio at 770. A lot of places on the East Coast. We're here in New York. And then at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee and I do a show called Left versus Right, where we talk about a lot of local issues, and we talk about um, some of our common experience in New Yorkers, and then we argue about stuff from time to time as well. So it would be great to have you there. Really want to thank you for all the support you've given me. I want to thank Mike Garcia for once again helping to produce this podcast and being the sound designer and doing some voiceover work that was actually him doing Donald Trump's just kidding. But I really do appreciate all of your support. Look forward to hearing from you next week. And this is the end of The Middle Unplugged.